So I just want to declare something real quick here. Thank you for the prayer, Eric. But um, Lord, we just thank you for your word coming forth now. We thank you that you send forth your word and you heal us and you deliver us from any destructions. So I just declare, God, that um, people would be touched just through the preaching of the word, just because you love us and you want to do that. And so I pray that you would bring healing to those areas in our bodies that need healing. Pray that people would um, have the expectancy to check themselves out during the, during the preaching of the word. And um, yeah, you would just make, make some progress in them instantly, some, some 80%, uh, and continuing to work. So we thank you for that. We just release that, God. We're, we're just blessed that you're here with us. Thank you for the blood of Jesus on each one of us. Thank you for your warring angels here, ministering spirits. Pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Thank you for the spirit of joy just to have fun. Amen. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So we started a series um, last month called The Reality of the Spiritual Realm. Tonight, want to continue with, I guess, what I would say is the accessing of the spiritual realm. Although, don't get stuck too much to the titles because things kind of overlap. So, just a quick recap, if you weren't here, last time we talked about the fact that there is a natural realm and a spiritual realm, and we live in both. The superior is, real, uh, is um, excuse me, the spiritual is superior reality to the natural. Um, we saw Christ regularly demonstrated this by superimposing his world onto this world, because walking on water... That breaks every law, right? Uh, Multiplying food, speaking peace to the storm, having peace in the storm, various healings, etc. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 tells us that we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are unseen are eternal. We know Hebrews 11 tells us that the things which we see were made by the things which are not seen. Uh, So we saw that we're on a journey to look to set our affections on things above, not on things on the earth, um, to seek those things where Christ said it. So that was Colossians 3. We walk by faith, not by sight. Um, Jesus, he saw the Father a lot. He only did what he saw him do, what he heard him say, John 5, 19. Um, we talked about how that man is a triune being. In fact, so that was 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 Thessalonians 5 23, that man is spirit, soul, and body. So God is the one that came up with that. Um, In fact, separation, the body separated from the soul and the spirit, death, was never part of the original plan. And so that's why Jesus had to come and die and and raise again so that uh, one day um, death will be no more. Amen. We talked about Paul's trip to the third heaven. First thing we talked about was it was so real that he couldn't tell if he was in the body or out of the body. That's how real it was. And we talked about NDEs, near-death experiences, and saw that, well, they're saying the same thing. Like, they're just like just as real as you and I talking here right now. Um, and so we'll hit, we'll hit those here in just a second, uh, a brief recap. We saw also that um, Paul said it was the third heaven, so that implies there's a first and a second heaven. And we talked about the comparison that as our body is kind of, Um, to the natural realm. So the first heaven is kind of what we see with our eyes, you know, the stars, the moon, so on and so forth. And our soul and spirit is kind of likened to the second and third heaven. Uh, Third heaven is where God dwells and the saints. Second heaven 
interestingly, where our soul, uh, comparison to our soul, we have spirit, soul, and body, and that's where most of the warfare takes place, is in our soul. And interestingly, in the second heavens, this is where principalities and powers reside. And we talked about Ephesians 6. The word principality means arch, or where we get the word arch from. I don't know how you say it in the Greek there, but it's the top of the ark. And so every ark has endpoints that it reaches down to. So it has influence, right? And powers actually means exousia. And from Eric's teaching, remember that exousia means authority. So these authorities are in heavenly realms. So even though Jesus has all authority in heaven and earth, Matthew 28, these authorities of darkness usurp the authority because of man's free will. The Lord desires all to be saved, 2 Peter 3, 9, but not everybody gets saved. Why? Because man has a free will and love um, would be in violation if it was controlling. If God didn't give people the free choice, that's not love, right? So though he doesn't want anybody to go to hell, he still gives them the free choice to choose his love and to choose his salvation and, and so forth. So, um, so the Lord desires everybody to be saved, but not everybody does. And to the extent that people on earth submit themselves to the devil, that's to the extent that the devil has authority in the affairs of this world. And Romans 6 tells us, whom you yield yourselves to obey, you are that one's slave, whether of sin to death or obedience unto righteousness. So we talked about Luke 10, how Satan fell like lightning from heaven when the disciples were going out, casting out demons, healing the sick, and so forth. And so um, when people on earth renounce the, the lies they believed, when they get healed, um, you know, and they turn to the Lord, then those principalities and powers in every places, they take a hit. They sometimes get unseated. Um, and, and they lose their grip, so to speak. <clears throat> so Paul talks about how that we're in a wrestling match, Ephesians 6. So we're always trying to get the Lord. I mean, he's already on top. We want people on earth to be on top, just like we're seated with Christ in heavenly places. We don't want them to be under uh, the, father, uh, the devil, who's the father of lies, and he's not a very good father. Um, so we talked about the fact that these exousias have right to be in those realms many times. And so when we deal with them, like Jesus, we, we do it the way he did it. He healed the sick, he healed people on earth, and you sort of let the chips fall where they may. In other words, uh, you don't necessarily go and start trying to cast down principalities and powers because if they have legal right to be there, then you're fighting the ordinance of God. You're fighting authority, and God has established authority. And so that's, Satan is very legal. So are the demons. Um, in fact, the uh, Ephesians 4.29, excuse me, 4.27, it says believers can give place to the devil. And so I didn't tell you this part last time. Revelation 12.10 says that he's the accuser, and it, it's the word kategoros, which means plaintiff in lawsuit. And in 1 Peter 5.8, your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion. That word could also be opponent in law. So he's looking for a legal right to devour people. He doesn't have authority unless we give it to him, unless mankind gives it to him. And mankind that's not saved has already by default given it to him, right? So that he needs to come into allegiance into the kingdom of heaven by receiving Jesus. Jesus is the only way. Um, we don't have to fear the enemy. We can trample on serpents, scorpions over all the power of the enemy. Nothing shall the enemies hurt us. Um, but again, when there's things in the heavenly realms, we need the Lord's wisdom and advice on how to deal with them. 
Um, we just don't presumptuously go into situations and start trying to, you know what I'm saying, to pull things down. <coughs> so the other reason that I mentioned this point is because Satan is looking for legal right to devour. And as I love the quote that Derek Prince quoted somewhere, um, he said, the Lord only delivers from our enemies, not our friends. <laughs> so we, we don't want to partner with the enemy in any way. And finally, we looked at the reality of the third heaven via testimonies of NDEs, tunnels, people would see hovering over their table, operating table, able to change their age, walk through walls. We talked about how those in Holland don't believe in heaven or the afterlife, and yet they consistently had the same experiences that people in America did. So they don't even believe in the heavens or the afterlife, and yet they would see Jesus and the Heavenly Father. They wouldn't see Buddha. They wouldn't see Muhammad. You know, so it's pretty cool that yeah, I feel pretty confident we're on the right track, right? <laughs> There's uh, 25 million documented in the U.S. In fact, last time we had about 20, about the same amount of people here, and one man came up to me afterwards and said that his dad had had an NDE, and it changed his dad's life, and it changed this man's life. So that was only out of 25 people. So that's pretty crazy, isn't it? <laughs> so today, we're going to continue on in accessing the spiritual realm, my glasses here, but not here. This is kind of a weird. So Jesus only mentions the church in the Gospels three times. Matthew 16, he says it once. Matthew 18, he says it twice. He talks about the kingdom everywhere. Um, but in terms of the church, it's these two places. And he says this phrase, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So this is the focus of what we're going to look at tonight. So both of those passages have some unique characteristics to them, but they both say this, and, um, you know, I, I think we all want to bind sickness, loose healing. I mean, that's, we want to do, those are the kind of things we want to do. And depending on um, how you interpret this verse, the action either starts on earth so whatever you bind on earth will then be bound in heaven or whatever you bind on earth will have already been bound in heaven. And I've believed it both ways. And um, I actually, so I, so I, my suggest, what I'd like to suggest is, is that it actually, I believe it does mean both and here's why. First of all, whatever you bind on earth must already be what has been bound in heaven. This is the literal meaning of what it means in Greek. So other, in other words, I have no business binding it if heaven already hasn't bound it. I shouldn't be loosing it if heaven already isn't in agreement with loosing it. So, because uh, otherwise it'd be like witchcraft or cursing Christians, right? Dennis Kramer wrote a book about that. Or calling down fire, right? The judgment of God. And Jesus said, you don't know what spirit you're of. We don't want to pull up and conjure up hell. We want to bring heaven down. So we need to know what's heaven's perspective. We need to know the Father's heart. What's the will of the Father in this situation? Because he that does the will of God will abide forever. It's the will of the Lord that will stand forever. We don't want to pray manipulative prayers. That's not bringing the kingdom. So, But B also has the implied meaning. Whatever you um, bind on earth will then be bound in heaven. In other words, heaven waits for the church to come into agreement with what Jesus has already done. Um Satan only fell from heaven while the disciples were going out two by two and doing the works of Jesus. You know, there's several scriptures with this. How shall they hear without a preacher? 
These signs will follow those who believe. The believers are going forward and the signs are following them. So we move forward and the Lord follows. Heaven waits till we move forward. Ephesians 3.10 tells us that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. So we are to bind and we are to loose. And we do that as we pray, as we decree, um, doing the works of Jesus. Now, we're not going to look at specifics tonight, but I just want to tell you that the wisdom of God is more than just saying, I bind this or I loose that. For example, Psalm 149 says that, let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. I'm skipping some part, but it says that basically praise binds their kings in chains and their nobles in fetters of iron. It brings punishments upon the heathen and it binds their kings with chains. It's not talking about earthly kings. It's talking about the principalities and powers that rule over the heathen. It has the ability to tie them up. I mean, think about Acts 16 where Paul and Silas are in the inner stocks in prison. Do you think the devil wanted them to get out? He would have just had them die and rot there. But they started to praise and sang and prayed and suddenly, whatever demon was guarding them was kicked out of the way, and so were everybody else's chains. So something came and overpowered them, and so it was the wisdom of God through worship and praise that Satan was kicked out of, of that scenario. So don't think that you always have to bind and loose, you know. Um, and tongues is another example, which I'll, I'll share a story here in a minute, but tongues, you know, you're, you're praying a perfect prayer, and you don't know what you're saying, but neither does the devil. And he hates that. And demons hate that because they may be doing something one minute and the next minute they're tied up because somebody was praying in the spirit and they didn't understand or know what was going on. It took them by surprise. So tongues is a very powerful weapon. <clears throat> so both of these phrases in Matthew 16 and Matthew 18 are the same. However, there's one word that's different in the Greek, and it's the word whatever. By the way, I learned this from Putty Putman, who um, did the Kingdom School of Ministry in Illinois, Urbana. Just so you know, I can't take credit for this revelation, but it's pretty cool. Don't reinvent the wheel, right? <clears throat> so Matthew 16, it's talking about whatever you bind is who, which, what. It's a type of thing or a class of objects. Whereas Matthew 18 is as great as you bind, as much as you bind, as far as. It's the measure of a thing. So let's look at this. In Matthew 16, we'll kind of see this played out a little bit. Jesus asked the disciples who he is. They tell him, some say this, some say that. We jump to verse 15. But who do you say I am? Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I say unto you that you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I'll also give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, that whatever you bind on earth, there's a other, this is the Amplified Version, will be already have been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will have already been loosed in heaven. So Peter gets this revelation. It's not by flesh and blood, but it's by the Spirit of God. 
by, by, by God. He's the Father is the Spirit, right? John 4, 24. We worship him in spirit and in truth because God is spirit. So he gets this revelation and all revelation is from the Father. Like even if you're hearing things from me speaking now, it's still the Father revealing it to you or the Holy Spirit, I mean God. You know, he's revealing it to you. You can't get truth except from the Spirit of truth. We carry the Spirit of truth. The world doesn't understand or know, right? <clears throat> so Jesus reveals more of what this revelation means as he goes on here. So here's the thing. Revelation begets more revelation. And pretty soon you've got more questions. You've got five different scriptures that have a whole new meaning now. And you've got more questions. It's just, it's a wonderful thing when the Lord reveals secrets. But I like what he starts doing to Peter. He starts speaking destiny over him. You're Peter, right? When we know who Christ is, then he tells us who we are. Because we sometimes forget. And we need to remember, if you're struggling with your identity, just get as close to Jesus as you can. And you'll start to hear from the Lord who you really are, what your real identity is. And it's, revelation is always through the, the relationship of intimacy. In fact, intimacy without love in the natural is fornication at best, and worst, it's prostitution. So it's the same with the Lord. We're not trying to just extract information out of Him. This is a relationship we're talking about. This is a God who is opening the secrets of His heart to people. <laughs> you know, we're not, it's the blood, I mean, that's made us worthy, right? So, and yet He invites us in. He calls us to him, so it's pretty cool. So, Peter, you're different now. On this revelation, I'm going to build my church, that Jesus is the only way, the only way in, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Why? Because hell will try to prevail, but he will ultimately fail. Hell will fail. And also, it, it means that we'll bring heaven right to hell's doorstep many times. So just be prepared, <laughs> right? We're in a warfare. So I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Keys mean access. Keys are the ability to lock or unlock, or the actual meaning is to tie and untie. The type of things you bind on earth will have already been bound in heaven. So here's kind of a diagram. Grace, goodness of God. When we see something from earth in heaven, the eyes of our heart are opened. That's called revelation. Revelation ensures that I see from heaven's perspective and I bind and I loose accordingly. Revelation means you have access to it. Keys give you the authority or the ability and dare I say many times the responsibility to release what you see. To release that same reality that he's revealed to you. Now sometimes we're supposed to keep secrets and we don't share things. But many times what he's showing you, eventually you're going to have to share it with others. You know, to bind sickness, to lose healing, declare Jesus as Messiah, etc. Transformation comes to you as I release heaven into your life. Not just information. You know, not just because that which is born in the flesh is flesh. And the flesh profits nothing. It's the spirit that gives life. So the question for all of us is, what revelations do you have and what does that qualify you to release on earth? 
So last time I talked about how I saw a demon on my neighbor's house, and that's as far as I got. I didn't really tell you anything else because there was nothing else. I mean, at, at the time, I think anyway, maybe there was, but it just wasn't what the, wasn't the right context. Well, I know what it was. There was more to the story that I didn't know until now. So I saw this demon. He was kind of on his elbow and legs crossed, and he was smoking. And my apologies if you have the addiction to smoking, but this is just what he was doing. So I'm on the roof, neighbor's house. I'm just praying. I'm not trying to see anything. I just, it's in my mind's eye. It's not like a full-blown, so it's kind of hazy a little bit. You know how it is. But I know he's there, and so I just start releasing heaven over that household. <laughs> and as soon as I do, the demon gets up, and he goes to the edge of the house and starts cussing me and swearing at me, you know, just getting mad, like, you stop, you know, stop praying. And I just ask the Lord just to shut his mouth. I don't want to hear what he's telling me. So that was really about it. And I was just praying, heaven come down on that family. Let the man get saved. You know, he beat his wife. And the wife came over and we had to call the police. And they just needed the Lord, you know. Um, but the weirdest thing is, a week later, that family has moved out. One week later. I mean, they've been there for three years. So it's possible it was a coincidence that the police finally had enough and they had to leave and the landlord but it was just too weird for me that it was one week after I saw that demon and released heaven that, now had I prayed for them before? Yes, but this was just different. Sometimes there's a moment where you come into a revelation of releasing something and God just does something where either the enemy's gonna, I mean, I think the demon wasn't happy that he had to move actually. That was just the impression I was getting. So he either had to get that family out of there so he probably got orders at the top saying we gotta get him out of there because they're in trouble getting saved. Uh, that's just a guess. I don't know. You know. That's speculation. But it's pretty crazy that that happened. Um, and then I was uh, praying in, in the Spirit one night. Uh, this is like from 1 to 2 a.m. Now, I don't do that very often. In fact, I hadn't done that for a long time. You know, 10 minutes here and there, whatever. But this was like, I just felt like I needed to pray because I needed some breakthroughs in my own life, needed some breakthroughs in some family members. And... When you really need it, that's when you really pray. <laughs> so I was, I just, in the spirit, and I just said, I'm just going to go for it. Just just going to keep praying in tongues. Don't know what I'm saying. Don't really care, but the Lord knows my heart. I'm praying for myself and for somebody else in the family. Well, 40 minutes into it, the Lord interrupts me with a vision of where I see a friend who is, I see him in his house, and he's in a fetal position, and he's laying down, and this dome-like tent is covering him. And there's like this demonic creature that's kind of outside of this tent. And I instantly know that this dome represents the blood of Jesus. And I instantly am taken to the scene in The Lord of the Rings, which I only watched once, by the way, each one, because the precious thing freaked me out. <laughs> I don't get into, you know, that was creepy. So, But I did see this particular scene where he says, you shall not pass. And it's a huge demonic thing, but this thing cannot pass. And I know that that's what the blood of Jesus is saying and protecting this man in this moment. So I just, okay, God, I, I didn't have to do anything. I didn't bind loose. I just, yeah, just do it. I just release that. Whatever you're doing, my praying in the spirit, you know, I, I wanted some things, but okay, you, you want to jump over and help somebody else? That's cool, you know. So I text the person the next day and they had great sleep. And they had been, now, I already knew that they had been struggling with sleep. So that part I knew. 
But what was cool was they had great sleep and had it ever since, although there's been some other things that have come up in the night. But, but I know that that's a promise of the Lord they can hang on to, that the blood of Jesus is covering them. And you shall not pass beyond that blood. So the other thing that, you know, I'm learning in this process, the deeper you go, the, the, the more you'll learn and the more the enemy won't like it, right? The, the deeper you go. So I was praying in the spirit last night for tonight and I you know, have a few words of knowledge and stuff like that at the end. And I'm learning that you need to pray a covering of the blood of Jesus over yourself, your family, and all that are involved. You just kind of forget that stuff. I mean, you, I don't know, just when you're not in the heat of the battle, you just, you forget some of the weapons of the warfare that you sh- probably should be using. When you first got saved, you used them all the time because you needed it for dear life. Well, so I was under great attack last night physically and so was a couple of other family members so I learned the hard way that okay we're going to plead the blood of Jesus here Um, so that's something I just want to encourage you and as you're learning this stuff that we talk about on these Sunday nights remember to apply the blood remember to ask God to release his angels Hebrews 1 14 they're ministering spirits Psalm 91 we all have angels that protect Matthew 4 Jesus always said it is written to the devil it is written it is written speak the word the, the the unseen realm hears the word. They don't hear your thoughts necessarily. I mean, God can, but the devil doesn't. So w- they need to hear the word declared. Word has power, right? Jesus just, I mean, he spoke and created. God created just through speaking words. Death and life from the power of the tongue. Proverbs 18, 21 tells us. So I just want to really encourage you. Um, we'll talk about this verse, I think, the next time. But Daniel 9, Daniel prayed an awesome prayer. It took like, 45 seconds, well, I don't know, maybe three minutes to pray, to pray the prayer. And it was a great thing for Israel, and, I don't know, revival coming back. I don't even remember what it was about. And as soon as he prayed about the end of the prayer, a minute in, the angel was there with the answer. Pretty cool. And he said, the moment you started praying, the answer came. And for whatever reason, it took, four, got four, excuse me, it took God 45 seconds. I don't know why. Just maybe he was another part of the universe, or I don't know, who knows. Um, but it took 40, like, as long as it took that prayer, that's, it was the end of it that the angel showed up. Daniel chapter 10, you know the story, right? He's praying, and it takes 21 days before he gets the answer, yet his prayer was heard the very first moment that he started speaking. So my point with this is, I got away with praying in the Spirit and not pleading the blood of Jesus the first few times. But then when things started happening, the devil said, uh-oh, we got to shut this guy down. And because I didn't use the weapons of my warfare, he kind of snuck one in on me. So the Lord just kind of wised me up to some things. So now the other thing that you'll see there is faith. Revelation, access, pulling access into earth, heaven to earth requires faith. Faith gives you the ability to grasp and release what you have access to. Faith is the co- um, container, the, it's the go-between, right? To cause that which is a reality in heaven to be a reality on earth. Hebrews 11.1 1 says this, and it's paraphrased. I'm putting my own words in here. Faith is the physical substance of things that you hope for, the tangible evidence or manifestation in the natural realm of things that, are, that were unseen, but very real in the spiritual realm. 
So both revelation and faith come from God, as we know, but faith is, is, a, is a key aspect to pulling heaven down. Now, again, faith and revelation both come from God. You can't work it up, and I'll, I'll explain uh, this here in just a second. So let's look at the example of Peter again. Blessed are you, Simon Barjona. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. Peter got a revelation. It was spirit to spirit. He saw it. He confessed it. Romans 10, 10, man with the heart man believes unto righteousness, right? So it's a heart faith, not an intellectual head faith. Faith comes from God. It's not something we can work up or manufacture. It's a gift. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 tells us it's a gift, not of works, lest any man should boast. Romans 12, 3 tells us that we all have a measure of faith that we've been given. And um, so he gives you the faith to believe, but so remember, even demons believe and tremble. So believing is not just enough. It has to be belief where the Holy Spirit really does it for you, right? It's like the seven sons of Sceva trying to use the name of Jesus to cast out demons. That's not going to work unless you know Jesus and you have the faith to do that, right? You're not just presumptuously going on somebody else's revelation. It doesn't mean that you can't pull on that revelation, but, but the point is is that um, the Lord really needs to reveal it to you, Okay. And it's, it's something that God speaks to you spirit to spirit. The Bible calls it seed or an incorruptible word of God. 1 Peter 1, 23. So he did great in the first revelation. But this is why faith is, is needed in this equation. Because the second revelation Peter got was, I'm going to be crucified, killed, and rise again. How did Peter do on that revelation? Eh, he failed. His preconceived ideas of what Messiah should look like choked out faith. And the ability to have heart faith was there because it came as soon as Jesus spoke to him what was going to happen. And we know this is true because John 6.63 says, The words that I speak unto you, which means all of them, they are spirit and they are life. They contain within them the ability to have faith. But Peter chose unbelief. And that partnering with the enemy's mindset, if you will, he called him Satan, right? And so, yeah, it was kind of a, but Peter was like that a lot, right? And there's no Peters in here, are there? <laughs> um, so he does give us faith for whatever he reveals, but he never forces us to believe it. So I want to tell you that it's equally important to guard your heart from unbelief and doubt as much as it is to have faith, to have the faith that God gives us, to renew our minds, to keep his word in our heart. So revelation of something does not mean that you're accessing it necessarily. You can believe in divine healing. You learned it five years ago, but if you're not using it, you know, it's, it's, it's just the, the faith muscles are just kind of laying dormant, if that makes sense. Because faith is both a gift and a fruit. It's the fruit of the Spirit, right? And the fruit of faith grows in a person's life with use. We hear and we obey. We hear and we obey. Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing the rhema word, the living, spoken, present tense word of God. Gives you the ability to believe in that moment. It's faith, right? It's the spoken word and then obedience. And then you do it. Mark 4, 24. Consider carefully what you hear. For with the measure that you use, it will be measured to you. And even more, whoever has more will be given. But who doesn't have, who doesn't use it? Have you ever done something and then it's like, man, this next time I try this, I couldn't hardly do it. It's like I haven't prophesied for a while or whatever. You sort of lose it a little bit, don't you? So now all the gifts 
of God are irrevocable. He doesn't take gifts away. But the point is, is that faith muscles need to continue to be exercised. We need to continue to be faithful to what God gives us because why would he give us more if we're not faithful to what he gave us the first time? It's like the word of the Lord to Jonah. Go preach to the city of Nineveh. Eh, didn't do that. Went a long way around the barn. I got to visit the inside of a big fish. Got spit out. Did the word of the Lord change? No, he went all through that just to have to word of the Lord the second time. Go to the great city. and you know. So we want to avoid that if we can. I like what Bill Johnson said in, in one of his sermons. He said, it's vital to never get too far from your last miracle. That way you don't have to reinvent the wheel because your faith stays current in the God who invades the impossible and you are constantly pushing against things that have been called impossible. So if you're not experiencing the miracles, then by all means, get on YouTube and watch them. Do something to have our faith that we're always ready to believe God for the impossible. And then he talks about how always having prayers enough that going so that you get breakthrough somewhere. So revelation gives you access. Faith gives you the ability to release that revelation. And the Matthew 16, conclusion of Matthew 16's portion, we're releasing what or who, the, you know, what we see. Because sometimes you just release Jesus because it's when the Son of God is manifested, he destroys the works of the devil, right? First John 3, 8. So sometimes we just release Jesus, like, Lord, I just, just release you on these folks. And as he manifests, he destroys the works of the devil. So it, it's not even necessarily a thing, but Matthew 16 is primarily a who or a what. The types of things you're re releasing, Jesus, prosperity, healing, etc. Okay, so now we have to look at Matthew 18. What does it mean when it's the as much as? So Matthew 18 is all about relational issues. It's being humble as a child, you know, who's the greatest, not causing a child to stumble. If a sheep gets lost, the shepherd leaves all to find him. Unforgiving servant is in there. These are all relational things. And the fifth one, or the fourth in the order of the chapter, um, if a brother sins against you, you progressively walk them through a process to reveal what's in their heart. If they don't hear you, you take one or two more with them than in the mouth of two or three witnesses everything's established and hey here's what we're seeing and you know we're, we're trying to show you your heart and this is just not working and and but they refuse to hear it then it says you bring the whole bring them before the whole church now there's different ways you could look at that but essentially the leadership represents the whole church <laughs> so um it's not that you have to like a big committee you know the whole you know so but basically if they refuse to hear that they're basically saying i'm right and the church is wrong and they're saying, I don't belong here, is what they're saying. Because when one member suffers, all the members suffer. You see, the leadership, the leadership has a responsibility to make sure it's a safe place for all the other 99 sheep. Not for just the one that wants to do their thing and is causing trouble or whatever, right? So, and it's interesting that in this context, he says, whatever you bind on earth will have already been bound in heaven. So... He says that they're able to be called a heathen by those folks, which is pretty crazy authority. So, again, I don't know that if somebody has trouble with authority or whatever and they skip out and they go to another church, does it mean that God doesn't still love them and they're not children of God? Like, I'm not trying to argue that stuff, but I'm just trying to make the illustration that Jesus said, consider them as a heathen. 
because that's how they're behaving. So, so here's, here's the point of all this. We add the little red box there. You like my little figurine. <laughs> We've got extent and relationship. As much as the extent to how you steward your relationships to look like heaven is the extent you'll receive revelation and faith to release heaven on earth. Because faith only works through love. Love has to be there. Revelation's purpose is not uh, to expose people in a negative sense, but to share the heart of God with them. Whether it's healing, prophecy, you know, connect them with the heart of God, His destiny, His love, His goodness. And when you share a revelation with people, it says that we know in part and we prophesy in part. So sometimes we get it wrong on the revelation, but if you love the person you're sharing the word with, that's what matters. Don't, don't worry so much about if the word was accurate or not, because even if I get an accurate word, but they perceive that I don't love them, they're not going to really receive the word. But if they know that I love them and I totally botched up the word, it doesn't matter. They're, they're receiving love, and that's what they need. So Matthew 16, you might say, is, God, is about seeing God from a vertical position and releasing God in, 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 into people and situations, right? Tying up hell, what he shows you. Matthew 18 is about seeing people through God's eyes horizontally, where as much as you love, as much as you show honor, that's the extent to which you can release heaven, and that's the extent to which God can entrust his heart to you and that's the extent you'll be able to reach more people. Because if you're just a meanie butt, he's not going to send you a lot of places, right? You won't have that influence because you're a meanie butt. And he wants you to love people, the unlovable. <clears throat> so for Matthew 18, we need to examine our relationships. As much as you lose unforgiveness, that's to the extent which you can bind demons. Think of it that way. As much as you lose unforgiveness, that might be the extent to which you can bind demons. Because your own heart is not in a place where you can really release heaven in that state, right? Not, not really. As much as you lose forgiveness, that's how much you can lose healing. And God can entrust me with more if I learn to love well. And faith works through love. So faith, the Matthew 16 kinds of things, works through love, the Matthew 18, the extent, the depth, or the influence that I'm able to have towards people. Many people discern things about people, and we usually discern the negative stuff first, because that's easiest to see. But as Sean Bolt says, we need to press past discernment and get into prophecy, which connects them to the heart of God, not just the dirt that we're discerning on them. You know, Gideon, the Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. That's who Gideon is in God's eyes, but we know he wasn't there. He's hiding, fearful, and so forth. But that's when he's at his best, when he's not covered up with fear and with the things of life. He is a mighty man of valor. He just doesn't see it yet. He needs to hear it. Words that it's like speaking life to the valley full of dead bones. Can these bones live? You prophesy to it. You speak life to it to the impossible situation because it's the God that creates something out of nothing. He calls those things which be not as though they are, Romans 4. That's, that's our job. That's our responsibility. And as we see Matthew 16 and Matthew 18, the context of the church is what he tells us is your job is to release heaven on earth. 
I mean, there's a lot of things talked about throughout the New Testament, but Jesus, in reference to the church, says we are to release heaven on earth. That's our job. That's what the church is supposed to do. So that's, that's what we do. We release heaven. Thy kingdom come, thy will on earth as it is in heaven, right? Um, there's a story that Sean, where's that story? Okay. So he shares in, in one of his books that he met a, um, a man in the music industry who had, who had recently been saved. Well, he had been saved for about a year. And this man used to be like in association with one of the most famous pop singers we would all know. He was in the partying and drugs and alcohol scene with this person. And so this, this man talked to Sean. He said, yeah, I've been sober and free for a year now. And, and I went and visited this pop singer and I, uh, she noticed, so she, she noticed that I wasn't uh, drinking and in the life of the party like I used to be. And, and she says, hey, what's, what's going on? You know, you're, you're not doing what you used to do. And, and he says, well, this is going to sound like a cliche, but I just uh, been saved now for about a year, accepted Jesus in my heart, and I'm sober of drugs and alcohol and everything. And it, it so moved her that she said, man, I, I love that. I'm not ready to receive Jesus yet, but can you pray for me? And so this famous pop singer wanted to get prayer from this guy who had been saved for about a year. So fast forward now to a conference Sean is about to attend. Uh, he's attending, actually. There's a well-known preacher that he's attending. He wanted to always hear this guy. He's heard so much about him. And the guy is ministering. He's doing great. But then he said this. He said, there's a very well-known pop singer, and he's referring to the pop singer Sean just heard about in the story. He said, you know her by name, and then he named her. He said, she is responsible for immorality in the younger generation, and God is going to judge her. So in that moment, Sean just disconnected. It's like, no, you don't understand what you're saying. She just doesn't know the love of God yet. If you knew what I just knew, you know, if you knew what God knows about her, right? And... Um, so God spoke to Sean. He said, you will never have authority over what you do not love. You'll never have authority over what you do not love. This minister doesn't know that I want to give him and others authority to go to these public figures in love, but they have a huge problem when they separate their love from them. He doesn't realize that she might hear his comments at some point in pursuit of me, and what's that going to do? It's going to turn her off. They feel she's untouchable, but to you, I want you to expect me to send you and the people you love to them because I want to reach them. I will give you authority to connect to them if you will let my love have authority in your heart. If I speak against popular stars or movies or presidents, how can God send me to them with his voice when there's no honor, love, or compassion for them? I'm just in a judgment mode. And it is really hard when you see the stuff going on, let me be honest to not jump on the, because I'm such a black and white guy. It just drives me crazy. Sometimes I just, I can't, I can't watch this stuff. I'm going to start feeling that towards those people, you know. <laughs> so, <clears throat> yeah. So you cannot be a prophetic voice if you are in conflict with the world that God loves. So as much as how much you're able to bind and loose depends on your relationships, how they look like heaven. Bethel talks about the culture of honor is the key to sustaining a move of God because it stewards relationships in a heavenly way and it tells heaven, hey, we can give them more when we do that. 
God's no respecter of persons, so what he's done at Bethel, he can do here. And we want to see that. Uh, it only takes one, you know, one miracle can open up something amazing. I mean, we, we've seen that some with, you know, Joel's miracle, but I'm telling you, and I know the leadership wants that, we we got to see more of that kind of breakthrough on a more regular, consistent basis. And it doesn't mean that we're trying to, you know, all the churches are important in the community. I'm not... But you know what I'm saying? They're just let's. It would just be great if we could be the one that's like, the, the like the Bethel kind of church. You know, like it, it's just like you come there and your deaf ears can pop open, and that's the kind of expectation that I want to. You know, when we have worship and stuff, where people just we start getting testimonies. They're just, hey, I was healed of this four stage cancer, whatever. You know, or, and during the preaching of the word, you know, you're checking yourself out, you're testing it out, and you're realizing, hey, I'm like eighty percent better, or hey, I'm, I got healed and I didn't even ask for it. And so many times that happens at Bethel. It's random, but it's because they value the presence and they have a value for people, right? So, so that's, that's what we, that I, I, and I know the leadership's heart is for that. And um, so that's exciting. So recapping, revelation gives you access and faith is a vehicle to make that revelation a reality. Relationships modeled after heaven shows the potential extent of your access. So you might say the Matthew 16 is binding and loosing intentionally, whereas Matthew 18 is binding and loosing somewhat based on the fruit of your relationships. How well you love, how well you show honor. Matthew 16 is seeing God from a vertical position, so to speak, and releasing him because he's showing you something in heaven and you're releasing that on earth. And Matthew 18 is seeing people through God's eyes from a horizontal perspective as much as you love, as much as you honor, is to the extent that you have influence in their lives to release heaven. Because people need to know that you love them before they can receive from you. So the things to examine, and we're getting ready to cue the video here in a second, guys. Uh, what's your revelation? What has God opened your eyes to? And how are you stewarding that revelation? Are you exercising your faith with what he's revealed to you? Uh, and then in conjunction with that, how are your relationships? Are we loving well? Do we have relationships that look like heaven? And are the relationships both vertical and horizontal? Jesus would send the multitudes away just to get with the Father. So ministry wasn't his number one priority.